Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi, everybody. You have to check out this amazing new true crime podcast. It's called 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. It's about a murder that took place in Washington, D.C. A family and their housekeeper were held hostage for 19 hours before being killed when the murderers set their mansion on fire. You will be shocked by what they went through during those 19 hours, and you won't believe how they found the guy. I'm not going to ruin the ending, but all I will say is pizza crust. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Podcast One teamed up with award-winning journalist from news giant WTOP to put this story together, and the podcast is absolutely excellent. Download 22 Hours, an American Nightmare Now on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. New episodes come out every Monday. Check it out. Hi there. It's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Are you tech savvy or tech challenge? Well, there's an app for that. No matter which way you swing, the omnipresent truth of our modern existence is that we can hardly live without technology. And why would you want to? Instagram, my Bluetooth earbuds, the app that lets me track my kids, etc. These 21st century tools empower us with the ability to navigate our days and nights and customize our relationships in ways that suit us better than ever before. People meet online, plan weddings online, cheat online, find couples therapists online, they mediate, they meditate, and we created It's Over Easy so couples can get divorced online. From parenting control apps to social media and dating apps, technology shows every sign of gaining more influence in our relationships by continuing to innovate how we communicate today and how we'll socialize tomorrow. To help us see into the future of tech and relationships, I've invited three of the brightest and most innovative minds in the field to join our conversation today. Allow me to introduce you first to a serial entrepreneur and app creator. She's the co-founder and co-creator of Zoom Interiors and the co-founder of the Hutch app. Her newest app launches this fall in the relationship space and endeavors to solve the headache behind finding the right engagement ring. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Madeline Fraser. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> We're happy to have you. I mean, I always, particularly women, and, and I know we'll, we'll, we have a man coming, an interloper later, but I do love speaking with women in the tech world because I have found that they're not very many, and I understand why being a woman in the tech world, the tech is the thing that I just can't quite get. So when I meet other women who are able to, who have mastered it and who are able to be innovative in it, I'm, I'm totally psyched. 
Tell us a little bit first about Zoom, because I think this is kind of a cool story that our listeners will love. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, I kind of landed in the tech world. It wasn't what I cited in college. It wasn't actually what I ever thought I would end up doing, but I am so lucky to be able to be in this world. We started Zoom Interiors kind of by accident in Uh college. I went to GW in DC, and I was a sophomore. I was a fine art and architecture major, so I was kind of like that token design kid, and I had my two best friends, and we were the design girls. And lo and behold, a lot of kids were moving into their first apartments, you know, after the dorms, and they were kind of calling us saying, "Hey, I need help, like furnishing my space Can affordably." You get me pillows for my yeah. They were like, I, <laughs> "Please help me. I don't want to only do IKEA." Basically, is right. what we were finding, and and we, you know, had five clients, then six, then ten, then twenty, and we were like, "Maybe we should get paid for this," you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, okay, well, let's like hack together a website and let people pay a flat fee so they can work with us more efficiently. And so we had like a friend of ours from, you know, an engineer we met who sort of like whipped up a website for us. And lo and behold, we had essentially created the very first online design platform. And this was in 2013. Yes. This is amazing. Okay. So then what happened? So you I'm were sitting, so, okay. So we're, I'm sitting on my couch one night and I'm watching Shark Tank and I just had this idea pop into my head that I should get on the show. It just came to me. I was like, well, these people are on it. You know, well, let's see if we can get on it. Why not? And my business partners were like, you're crazy. That's impossible. I said, I don't know. I think we can do it. So I started, I made us take headshots, you know, because right. we didn't have anything. We're like, you know, have and this, this is still out of DC. You're still totally in DC. Out of DC. Okay. We're in college. We're doing classes and running this company on the side. And I said, let's do it. So I, I kind of found some casting people, called them, emailed them, sent photos. I mean, I probably stalked them for a solid three weeks. Persistence is everything, guys. Yes. And essentially, they called me back. And guess what? They were interviewing the first hundred companies before the hundreds of thousands came in the door. It was like fate. It was perfect. Wow. Couldn't believe it. Okay, so then what happened? So now you're on Shark Tank. You guys so do on great. Shark Tank, yeah. We we made a deal on the show. Like it was such a fun, amazing experience. We were so you know it was such an amazing learning experience. And Barbara like hugged us. <laughs> we couldn't <laughs> believe it. And so we made a deal on the show. You know, as as Shark Tank sort of works, it's a handshake deal, mm-hmm. and then you sort of negotiate later. So you know, you say yes, and then you you talk afterward. Got it. And so we decided not to go through with the deal. You know, in real life. Okay. However, totally parted ways amicably and it was like honestly the best gift ever to go on Shark Tank. That's amazing. So I'm reading a quote from your Instagram bio. I'm on a mission to motivate women in business to dive in head first. Oh yeah. Okay. So tell us, I know that we have some stats here from Crunchbase. I mean, in, have you, you guys, you have to see her. So she's like, what, what are you, 5'11", 6 oh, feet? Oh, I'm 6'1". She's 6'1", and, and she's blonde, <laughs> and she's gorgeous, and she, you know, she enters the room, and she's wearing all red today, and so she's just sweet. amazing. So tell us a little bit about coming at this in the tech world as, you know, as a startup as well as a woman. Listen, it's not easy, and I hate that. Um, that makes me really mad. Uh, what I will say is when I did start this in 2013, it was very different. I am seeing a lot of really positive change. I'm seeing a hell of a lot more women diving in headfirst. I'm also seeing a lot more women in the venture world, Yes, um, women as VCs. I'm seeing a lot more funds with women on as a partner, right? And, and that's actually what I target now going into my third business. I'm not taking money from anybody. Right. I want men. I want women. And I want to have a divided cap table. I think that's really important to have that balance. Um, And when I started, I think one of the stats that I remember is only 2.7% of all VC-funded startups were run by women. 
female yes. CEOs. And that was in around 2015. That stat was alive. And, you know, these stats that we're looking at right now that you're going to read, I mean, it's better. Yeah. It's, it, there's positivity here. 2018 set an all time for investment dollars into female founded startups. Of the almost $40 billion raised by women in 2018, 50 known rounds were above the $100 million mark, making up for 65% or $26.2 billion of the dollar amounts raised by companies with at least one female founder. And in contrast, male-only founded companies raised 338 rounds above $100 million at a cost of $103 billion, which is 53% of dollars raised by male-only teams. So, I mean, it definitely is changing. It's changed since 2013. There's been a huge, huge outgrowth of women mm-hmm. and, and female-founded companies and VCs, and I think that's great. Yeah, you're seeing change from both sides, which is vital. Yes. Now tell us, how has technology infiltrated the world of human relationships that we talk about here on Divorce Sucks? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's everything. I think that no matter what, nowadays, you kind of touch, the first touch normally is with social media or something like that. And I think that it's sort of defining how relationships are starting, but it's also really giving us access to people that we maybe never would have met before. Right. And an ability to continue communicating with those people if you're moving all around. Yes. Yes, As in your situation. Right. Exactly. So I'll also say the way that tech has infiltrated human relationships, as far as I'm concerned, is, as I said in our our opening, Mm -hmm. I can keep in touch with my kids. My 13-year-old's at school today. He texted me when I was in a meeting this morning. He wasn't feeling well. So then I texted our nanny. She was able to go get him at school. I just got a ping saying that he got home from one one of the parenting apps that I have. And when I was driving here to the studio, I was on the phone with one of my clients from my law firm, organizing with him for a hearing that I have on Friday as I was meeting you to do this podcast. I could not do any any of those things that I have, whether it's home or my two jobs without yeah. all of the tech that we have today. Tell us how it's, how it's, how have you seen it in your world? Yeah. I mean, well, I think first of all, I think it's really interesting as it relates to dating because I think you can get access to a ton more people and you can make rela- relationships last longer kind of. So I have an interesting story because I've been with my partner for 10 years. We just actually got married this year and we, you know, are pretty solid, but guess what? We were long distance for the first six years of our relationship. Wow. We were long distance through L.A., through India, through London, through D.C., through Philadelphia. I mean, we... I, I was the one moving around. He was always in Los Angeles, and I had no idea when I was going to be back in L.A., and that sort of happened once we launched Hutch. Thank goodness, right? And so now we're back together. But we had to get creative. And I think, like, the main things we used were Skype, mm-hmm. FaceTime, WhatsApp, right? I mean, Viber, all these things. What's that, Viber? So Viber is like great a sex for one. when is you're that a long-distance sex not app? That, okay, they really need checking. to change their name. Honestly. Or they need it to make that like app, it. Johnny. That's, put that in our idea <laughs> column, please. Long-distance sex app. Jeff, know, did you hear seriously. that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Library's great. It's uh, for international calls. Okay. So it's a free WhatsApp way to do WhatsApp does that calls. too, doesn't it yes. also? Okay. Yeah. I don't think it was as integrated when I was utilizing it, you know, a couple years ago. So we did. We, we did Viber and WhatsApp. And then we did Skype too. So we had like all these things. We would even watch movies at night. And Together. we would do Skype. And then we would each play the movie. Like one, two, three, play. Right. That's <laughs> what my kids and I do on planes. So fun. <laughs> exactly. So that kept us going. I mean, it's without that, I don't really know if we Long would be married now. Long letters, like for the Elizabethan era. I mean, come on. So tell crazy. us about the ring. 
Okay, so when I got engaged, which was a little over a year ago, I was really stumped at how hard it was to customize a piece of jewelry, specifically my engagement ring. And I was definitely on the on the side of saying, hey, uh, this is going on my finger, so yeah, I'm going to have a say in it. And Clinton asked me, he was like, what do we do about this? I want you to be in charge of this, so right. to speak. So we actually did the designing together. We went through the whole process together, and then we finally, we did retail. That didn't work out. I tried these online platforms that didn't work out. I couldn't find what I wanted. Um, I found a lot of mystery behind the whole thing, like markups and where the diamonds really from and all this type of stuff. Um, And I really wanted something unique to me. I did not want something that anybody else had because I'm like myself and I have a very distinct style. And this is something I'm going to put on my finger for a long time, hopefully, yes, right? Yes. Um, so anyway, we ended up settling on a jeweler, which was a little bit of a strange experience because you have to go downtown and sit in this little office and you're sort of giving this leap of faith, huge purchase to like a random man that right. you've like just met. And so the whole thing was very bizarre. Probably wearing a yarmulke with payas I mean, it was like, thing. basically, it was, not, <laughs> it was not exactly what I had dreamt of, right? right? And, and, you know, I, I basically told him what I wanted and then he said, okay, I'll, I'll make it for you. And then, and then Clinton basically said, all right, Madeline, you know, you have to go wait in the corner and I'll propose when I'm good and ready. I was like, what do you mean? I'm not going to see this ring like before you put it on my finger. What are you talking about? So our proposal was a hilarious, not romantic joke. I mean, it was funny because he like does the whole thing. Will you marry me? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll marry you. Let me see that ring. Give it to me. You know, I was like, what is this thing going to look like? I mean, of course we laughed about it afterward, but it gave me this beautiful idea for a business. Uh, So my whole world is direct to consumer and changing a process. That's my bread and butter. That's what I like do every single day. And so I thought, okay, well, we have a viable product that is a beautiful ring that can be custom. This ring that I have, which like looks super expensive wouldn't you say? Yes, it's it's a honker. I mean, when you're 6'1", you need a big ring. Okay, guys, this is crazy. So this is a gemstone, but it only costs three grand. Wow. Like in the world of rings, that's not insane, right? Yeah, it's not insane. And I was really shocked by that after going through the process and going to retail and going online. Um, And then the guy made it in three weeks. It was like this super fast turnaround. It's a, this huge gemstone, okay? Yeah. And it's gorgeous. Is that like an oval? It's an shape? oval. It's a halo. It's yellow gold. Yes, which it's, I love, yeah. as you can see. I've got four bands with it. Uh-huh. Really a lot of bling going on, guys. There's a lot of bling. It's yeah. gorgeous. Thank you. Wear it in good health. I Well, I love it because I get to say I designed it. Yep, it's you know? all you. It's and so, exciting. And so... I know it's not out yet, but it's at, you can get it at the App Store now, and so, it's called... Yeah, so we're in beta, so bear with us. Come be a first user. We would love to have you, but understand that this is our testing phase. It's called the Ring Co. Essentially, you can come on the app. You can completely customize the ring of your dreams, anything that you want, uh, and then you can try them on at home before you buy them. So we've created these identical rings that we call the stand-in. Yeah. They look identical to the real deal. They're just made of sterling silver, gold-plated, and they have you know cubic zirconia and other types of stones so you can feel this ring you can wear it to lunch you can show your friends you can actually and you send test it to it. them while you, mm-hmm. you can that's like your that's like your loner ring Basically, oh my god i exactly. love it and then you can then decide like really confidently okay this is the ring that i'm actually going to purchase and then you can keep your stand-in ring for travel the beach and working out and things like that and for guys you know for a lot of couples <laughs> who don't want to talk about the proposal ahead of time guys can buy a mock ring for under a hundred dollars and propose with that well i was just thinking that you know, and then if she doesn't say yes you're not actually out all that dough, That's guys. true. Plus, this... a lot of women don't like their rings, guys. It's 25% of women are unhappy with the ring they're proposed to when they're not involved in the design process. So what happens if you get the mock ring, you propose, mm-hmm. she says, I will marry you, but I hate this 
ring. Now what happens? Then guess what? She is empowered to go through the design process together as a couple. You're you're on your way. Why not start it on the right note? Now, what what are the price points for this service? They're super affordable. I'm really excited about that. We also offer a ton of gemstone options, which isn't really available right now. So all of the stand-in rings are under $150, and all of our rings essentially start at $1,000 and up. It really like you can get essentially you can get a beautiful you know gemstone ring with the halo two carat for two grand. That's amazing. It's crazy. And if you guys go to at It's Over Easy on Instagram, you we will have a picture of Madeline's gorgeous ring. This is fantastic. Joining us next is the co-founder and CEO of Dig, the dog person's dating app, which she created with her sister. She's also the adjunct professor at the Tulane School of Professional Advancement, where she teaches media, terrorism, and disasters to graduate students in the Homeland Security Studies program. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Lee Isaacson. Thank you very much. So where did you just fly in from? New Orleans. From New Orleans, from NOLA. Yes. And so this is this Dig, the dog person's dating app is a total side hustle, yes? No. No, okay. It couldn't it's, be it more of a full it hustle. Does, it doesn't exactly meld with media terrorism and disasters. It does. Okay, tell us. There this are dog good. people everywhere, yes. right? Yes. Right? So my background's actually in TV news reporting. Okay. I have my master's in Homeland Security and Emergency Response Management. So for a while, I was teaching this class I created at Tulane, Media, Terrorism, and Disasters. My students, this is not how the app started or anything, <laughs> but just giving you an idea of my background. Um, my students are FBI agents, retired military, police officers, and one of my favorite quotes from them when we were talking about what I actually do for a living was, God, I wish I could just date someone with a dog because I travel so much, especially our military guys. Right. Um, and so that's just, it's just so eye-opening when you think about so many people and their connections to their dogs when they're single, especially, and yes. how important that relationship is when you're looking for someone else. Yes, totally true. I mean, I used to have a pillow that said, love me, love my dog, because I had this little Staffordshire Bull Terrier who I got in 1993, and literally he did not pass away. He was 16 and a half. I don't think he died until... Must have been 2007 or eight. Loved him. Yes. But during that time period, I dated a lot of people. And if Raul, that was his name because he was from Spain, didn't like the guys, like they were out. There was just no way. I mean, there was one guy that I went out with and poor, this poor guy, like there was a commercial running right now on television where this dog, he like gets the guy's clothes. He flushes him down the toilet, his Rolex, his phone, all that. And he's like, finally, the guy goes, you won to the dog. That's what this dog used to do to my boyfriend, Mike. He, Mike would bring over roses. The dog would like... Like completely kill the like just bite them into a million pieces. Bit his shoes, bit his pants, hid things of his. Hated. Oh Mike. my god! Did they yes. ever get along, or was that like a red flag for you? It wasn't a red flag. They eventually got along. Mike was my first boyfriend after I had broken up with the guy that I got the dog with. So the dog was definitely just pissed off about uh, there being yeah. a new male. But yeah, they eventually did get along. But there was also a penis biting that that occurred during that time period that was not not pretty. And he is he was a pit bull. Jeff, I I've been saving that for oh you. Oh my yes. gosh, I've heard a lot of like bad dogs with dating stories, yes. but I have not heard a penis. Biting it was story it yet. was more of a, a scrape, but it was from teeth. Like he didn't clench in, but it was a canine. Jeff's going crazy right there. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't good. So it, it I was... should mention on the on the app we have vets and trainers that'll help you introduce your dog to their dog and to the other people. We also really encourage you to get out and meet in like neutral territory, places like dog parks, two dogs, things like that. So we definitely help 
non-penis scraping first <laughs> dates happen. So, okay, tell us about, so you must you have a dog to be on the app? No. Okay, because we want some people maybe that don't have dogs but that want to hook up with somebody that has a dog so they can be the person taking care of the dog when the other person goes totally. away. You're okay. on top of it. So also, it's also about the compatibility for the dogs, right? So not all dogs get along. Maybe right. you want to find someone who will just love your dog as much as you do. You want to find someone who loves dogs but doesn't have one. Got it. Okay. Um, and this is a divorce podcast. My parents got divorced about 10 years ago. My mom has two Bavarian and bloodhounds that don't get along with other dogs. So she needs to find someone that loves dogs and slobber and running in the snow in Boston and hair everywhere and can't have one. And so it's got to be her first conversation up front or there's just no chance it's going to work. Right. It's kind of, I mean, it is similar in the dating world to the kid thing. Like you might want to put that out there. So, so tell us a little bit about what your standard page on the app looks like in terms of the questions because we've seen and talked about other dating apps. How is Dig different? You first log in and you say if you're looking for someone with a dog, without a dog, or both. You know, get that out right away up front. Um, when you're filling out your profile, you've got a section for you and section for your dog or dogs, plural. Okay. Because we thought, why not add as many more dog photos to a dating app? That's not going <laughs> to make it worse in any way for dog lovers. Wait, there's a stat here. Regular dating apps, how many include a picture of their dog? A lot. Okay. <laughs> I think. Hold it's, on. I, no, I, I, it's a majority if you're a dog owner, right. without a doubt. And that comes back to 55% of single adults in the U.S. are pet owners with okay. dogs leading the way. Wow. And so when you're thinking about the relationship in your house, you're right. definitely featuring that on your profile. Okay. So it was... It was 77% of single dog owners on dating apps mentioned their dogs in their profile. 51 feature at least one image of their dog, and 70 think their date's reaction to their pet is important. That's actually a low number, I would I think. I mean, think or so those too. are I the deluded ones. Yeah, no, no, but it's true when you think about how important that relationship is to you. You want to put that up front. Now, do you have the follow-ups? Do you have the people that have gotten married and their dogs walk the ring down the aisle and all that? I mean... <laughs> we have no marriages yet. We just launched last year. Oh, okay. So it's a little fast for some people, maybe, but I'm really hoping we're hearing some of the those stories soon. I'm just saying, you know, some people, uh, you never know. I see people laughing around me <laughs> with that. Dog years. I love that. Um, but we do have a few people who we've been following up with who are going on phenomenal dates and have been who met each other right when we launched last year. So about a year so far. Um, and we love seeing the different dates you can go on that are dog friendly. Did so- you suggest some of them on the app? The dates? Yeah. So when you match with someone on Dig, this section in the conversation area opens up where you can suggest a dog-friendly date near you. So okay. we we show you the closest dog parks to you. We show you the closest dog-friendly restaurants, maybe other things, like especially in California, we've got awesome trails and uh, amazing things out here that other places don't have. It's really fun, too. We're launching the app City by City across the country. Right. And it's so fun to see how dog-friendliness changes with each city. Really? Oh, yeah. Tell me some of the things that you've noticed. So, for example, in Boston, they are not dog-friendly, but there's tons of dog owners. And that's where your mom lives. Yeah, yeah. I'm originally from the Boston area. 
But what we find is we've got a lot more people without dogs there because they may be in their late 20s in housing that's not dog friendly. You've got big problems with that in places like Boston compared to somewhere like Orlando where you walk into an apartment complex and they immediately have like little bubblers for the dogs and treats everywhere you go and like um, poop bags you can grab from the wall and things like that. It's just a totally different culture. So dog friendliness in Boston, it's much harder to find somewhere that's dog friendly to go on a date. Right. Um, The brewery scene has made that actually much more helpful across the country. Um, One of the reasons you can't bring dogs in places is because of the food and health um, administration and rules. So breweries with their like food trucks outside means you can usually bring dogs inside. So that's been really fun to see how those kind of correlate. So I have a question for you, and I don't know if you know the answer. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but the service dogs, the dogs that you get a thing so that you can take them places, you can mm-hmm. go on planes with them. Is there a separate, I mean, w- what do you have to do to qualify that for that, if you know? Is it is it statewide or is it national? And then what is what is the differentiation on the site about that? Like this, I, I, I need this dog. This is a service dog. Oh, totally. Well, on the site, you can absolutely write anything you want about each dog. So people certainly write, you know, as much as they feel comfortable sharing. Because you're immediately saying, I have something you need to know about me, not just this is my pet. So right. you're saying some sort of, um, you know, disability. <laughs> I'm blind or, or I'm nervous or I, yeah. But okay. we can certainly see the rise in people who are just going online and getting the easy emotional support dog. Um, you know, certifications and things like that. So you Is that easy? Plane. It can be very easy. It's okay. turned into like a big, big business. And so it's a little controversial because you've got, you know, the people who absolutely 100% need it for a whole sort of different reasons and people who are just trying to use their dog to get on the plane. Mm-hmm. Now, our point of view is the dog should be allowed on the plane right. anyway. And right. so people are going to take these routes to bring their dogs places they want to go. That's why you're seeing these industries change to accommodate dogs right now with the rise in pet ownership. You're seeing the travel industry is taking a little longer, but like hotels Mm -hmm. um, touting that they're dog friendly. And, you know, Subaru and their amazing dog friendly cars. And we've got Tito's, the dog person's vodka, Vodka. right? Like the entire industries want to be involved in this uh, emotional and deep connection that people have with their dogs. Tell us a little bit about your demographic and dig. Are you finding people that are younger, that are, you know, kind of pre-first marriage or older, or does it, I'm sure you're available to everybody, but who is mostly using it? And then how can we talk about what our theme is on this show, which is how technology is kind of changing the way we enter into and conduct ourselves in relationships? Sure. First, for the people on the app, we definitely are seeing a little bit older than your average dating app, which is low 20s. So we are about... 30 to 35 is our key demographic. Okay. Um, dog owners. We've got about 70% women on the app, which is wild and wonderful. And when I got into the dating app business, people are like, you know, you definitely want to make sure the women are there because the men will follow. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not a problem. Well, it kind of is a problem if you don't like even it out. So like, guys, if you're listening, there are tons of wonderful women waiting for you on this app. Uh, but what's really surprised me is we didn't think we would be any one's first dating app, right? Because the world of dating apps is changing where you now have three or four apps at a time. You're using dating apps nine to 10 hours a week on average. That's amazing. That's a part-time job, right? So you, we thought we would be your like third or fourth. You have the big large ones that you could swipe forever and just kind of blindly go through them. And then your niche dating app that cuts to the chase and gives you maybe fewer people to start because we're smaller and just a startup, but people who are immediately in line with what you want. 
But we found that a little bit older than our average demographic, so even 50 plus, our people are using our app first, first because they're bringing in that trustworthiness. Like, oh, I've always heard of dating apps, but this is the first one where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to bring my wingman with me or mm-hmm. my wingwoman with me, even if it's online, right? Like you can picture it out and how it would help you on a physical date, but even having that comfort with you in your pictures right. seems to be helpful. That's so, amazing. Have you heard that in California, we've now passed laws that treat animals, pets, like more like kids, as we've never done before. And so I think the world is changing, I think, to accommodate people and their pets. Now the question is, what's a pet? Because clearly dogs and cats are. But is a lizard? Can you argue over a parakeet? I don't know. Oh I my mean, gosh. So we get the, when are you doing the cat app question constantly. But next week. Do people get... with cats actually date? Sorry. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry, Jeff. A dog <laughs> but the next question I get is horse. Horse. Yes. Well, think about it. Horse people definitely need their own. They've got their own world yes. going on. Right. Yes. And so, sure. Maybe um, right now we're totally focused on totally dogs. Totally focused on dogs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I, I want to make clear, you guys do same-sex dating on the app, yes? Absolutely. Okay. You can log in today and you can Johnny. search. <laughs> <laughs> Just reminder, you can search for someone, um, a man, woman, or non-binary. We've okay. Got a non-binary community on there. When we originally started building out our staff, we wanted to make sure we had brand ambassadors covering every aspect of relationships. And we immediately started working with this wonderful person who identifies as non-binary, an MIT student who helps us out in Boston. And since then have just like, if you have the diverse you know, group in your staff, you're reaching the diverse group of people who are out there. Absolutely. And dog people range everywhere. everywhere. And so we we want to be everywhere and we are absolutely, you know, LGBTQ, non-binary, all of the things. And if I'm not saying it right, I hope people tell me because I always want to make sure we're on top of that. Have you noticed any kind of um, trend or preference in terms of the gender of the dogs? Like, and again, I, I'm not being funny. I know that I would rather date a guy that had a guy dog. I don't want some bitch, literally, like in my way. I want to, I've had those issues before. Have you heard that is that something that you see we see that it's definitely a preference not necessarily one gender over another but i have a girl dog i want to date someone with a boy dog maybe you've you know female dogs can get in fights more often depending on their background and, and their breed and all sorts of things but we see much more education around you know what type of dogs people are looking for and that comes up very quickly in conversations i love it i have to say I was a little skeptical when Johnny brought this idea to me. I, by the way, I didn't understand either. I thought it was a dating app for the for the actual dogs. We do get that a lot. We did want to emphasize this is for dog lovers, not for the dogs. We are not like a breeding app. We've gotten that question before too. No, go somewhere else. This is for people who love dogs. I absolutely love it. Okay. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. It was a crime no one expected and one many can't forget. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare, a new podcast from WTOP News and Podcast One, details the heinous murders of a D.C. power couple, their 10-year-old son, and housekeeper inside their own home. The chilling messages from the victims being held hostage. Hey, Nelly, it's Baba. The complicated trail of evidence and shocking moments from the trial. She thinks she knows how Darren Wink got inside the house. His defense team drops a bombshell. 
Will this investigation lead to the release of confidential audio recordings from the case? So it's under general counsel review. I mean, I'm committing to making a transparent court. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts today. Next up, joining our conversation about the tech takeover of our relationships is the founder and CEO of the Co-Parenter app. Co-Parenter is the first app designed to help separating, divorced, and never married parents communicate, manage, and organize everyday co-parenting responsibilities, helping them save money, stay out of court, and make better decisions for their kids. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, my friend, Jonathan Virk. Thank you so much. So with a background in entertainment and your love of philanthropy and charity, what led you to create Co-Parenter? Uh, that's a great question because it certainly wasn't a direct path. Right. Um, I'm not a lawyer and uh, I, I don't think I'll ever be one. <laughs> uh, as you said, I, I spent 22 years in the uh, advertising and entertainment media business, spent a couple years at Shazam uh, as executive vice president over there. Um, but about six years ago, I started going through what ended up being a pretty brutal litigated divorce here in Los Angeles. Uh, and I got a front row seat to see just how horrible the system can be for people going through it. Uh, and as bad as it was for us, it was devastating for our kids who, you know, for four years watched their parents go through this system only to be chewed up and spit out the other side, the other side much worse off than they were in the, when we went in. And, you know, as we sat in the gallery there where, you know, everybody sits and listens to everybody else's dirty laundry, right. um, it became really clear that we weren't alone. We were arguing and fighting and ultimately litigating about everyday co-parenting issues that had no foundation in the law. It wasn't legal decisions. We were making – we were having arguments about – Things that are co-parenting. They're ultimately parenting decisions. Right. But there wasn't a venue to make those decisions and to work out the the, the kinks of disagreement. So um, I connected with uh, my dear friend and neighbor, uh, Eric Weiss, who's a technologist and you know has a, a deep understanding and knowledge of the tech space, especially with very uh, uh, complex – you know, privacy, security type uh, um, products. And uh, we connected with Judge uh, Cheryl Ellsworth, who's the former California presiding judge in Riverside County. And we set out to create a platform that would help parents make co-parenting decisions and resolve disputes that help them save money, save time, and, and ultimately stay out of court. Which is amazing. And as we've discussed before, Jonathan, and as we've discussed on the show, I mean, a lot of this is so frustrating for judges that are sitting on the bench. It's very frustrating for attorneys, at least those of us. And, and I would like to say ones. most of us, most of my colleagues are problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And so to be charging an inordinate amount of money to decide who gets to pick up and who gets to drop off or what wh- whether it's better to have Wednesdays or Thursdays. And yeah. some, I mean, some decisions... Some of the big decisions, legal custody is comprised of, you know, health, welfare, of education. Course, yes. Those are the kind of things, yes. But when you're talking about extracurricular t- activities, if you're talking about a specific schedule, if you're talking about, well, I just want to be really clear that he is never allowed to take her around that bimbo that he cheated. No, that's not okay. His time is his time. And so the, uh, what I like about co-parenter is it really forces the parties to be able to communicate and then resolve their issues on their own also tell our listeners how it kind of keeps track of things if you can't, which I find interesting because it also gives some people feel like they really need to go to court because if they don't address this, then it's never going to get addressed. And they may not believe that they're able to resolve it because their co-parent is an asshole. Yeah. So now tell us how it can help people, even if, they're, if they've not completely drank the Kool-Aid yet, yeah, it yeah, can yeah. still help. 
Well, first of all, the app was built by, you know, certainly technologists, but also brain science, psychologists, lawyers, family law judges, um, so that we address the fundamental issues from the, from the get-go and provide our users sort of the most um, uh, uh, gentle way to get through the process. Um, you know, one of the challenges are that, you know, you have a list of things. As parents, we have a list of things that we want. Uh, and we approach a negotiation from that mindset. And it's hard to shift the, uh, the, the, the sort of thinking, the process, to be about what the, what's in the best interest of the child versus what I want. I right. want Tuesdays. I want Christmas. I want him to do tennis lessons. I want him to have a bar mitzvah. I want whatever. I'm going to miss her if she's not there in the morning. Right. I want to make sure she wears this certain thing. Yeah. yeah. Control issues. Control issues. Absolutely. And, and that is fundamentally what... Uh, you know, gets in the way, I think, of people making their um, their child-centric decisions. I think what we're seeing is a, a move towards a more principled approach to co-parenting. Uh, I think, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, you and your approach to lawyering, I think, is on the, you know, the true leading edge of taking the lawyer community out of that adversarial approach and into taking a more child-centric approach to problem-solving. And isn't that what Canada, or at least Alberta, is doing right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Canadian, so I do, I do have that. I do have that. I was born with that sort of DNA where we've got to take care of our, uh, we've got to take care of our people. We've got to take care of our society, and and you know that was really the approach. You're right, Alberta. Uh, Alberta's rolled co-parenter out as part of their early early intervention initiative. Alberta's taken a really interesting approach to reimagining the family justice system. The family the family law system that we have here in California that we have you know across the US is very adversarial. It's designed to be that way as you know and and you're I mean you're you'll you're far more of an expert than I'll ever be. It's a adversarial process. It's it's uh, a a uh, it is a win-lose model. Right. Um, in Alberta, what they've done is they've tried to reimagine the family justice system and front load the process with tools, services, and access to different resources that help parents make decisions early in the process, help them create foundational understanding of who's supposed to be where, where, you know, where the kids are supposed to be on any given day, making these decisions that eliminate the need for, for conflict. And so they're using Co-Parenter as part of that initiative, giving their, their citizens access to the tool way early in the process, long before they have the conflicts that end up leading in court. Right. Um, and so it's been very successful there, and they've been very successful in reimagining the, uh, the process. And uh, I think other jurisdictions across Canada and really the world, I mean, a lot of people are looking at Alberta as, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a model, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Around the world. So now talk about how that kind of approach has infiltrated into the tech that we're doing, that you're doing with Co-Parenter. Sure. So we take, a, obviously, a child-centric approach. Our, our, our mission as a, as a company is to eliminate high-conflict divorce from the list of adverse childhood experiences. And, you know, we can, we can talk ACEs today or another day if you're into it. What we do is we help to eliminate the everyday conflict and give people the tools to resolve them on their own. So we've got a suite of tools that help parents manage, organize, and ultimately document their co-parenting relationship. So all communication is time and date stamped. There's a uneditable record of all 
communication. We have different levels of sophistication of filters. So if you try to say F you, we'll stop you from sending it and oh. give you an alternative, give you, give you an option to here, maybe try a different term. Cause that- big, big Canadian brother is watching. <laughs> but I'll tell you, as a family law practitioner, so often when we have custody disputes, I have a client come in with just a stack of emails. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, if you're going through this, you can be really pissed off. So there can be a lot of FUs, so oh, yeah. to speak. Oh, yeah. And you can type or write or even do a voicemail with things that you, you know, five minutes later, you just wouldn't have said, but you Mm -hmm. said the worst, most horrible thing. And that's the impression that a judge is going to get of you when he or she reads the paperwork. So I love the co-parenter will go, yo, you don't want to say that back (laughs) up. And I also love that all of these communications are now kept because it may not be, hey, you, but what it may be is, hey, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. And then the other person says, oh, gee, again, don't tell me again. I'm having car trouble, whatever. But if you've got 17 or 18 of those, it starts to show a pattern of one parent really not showing up on time. Totally. And actually, just to speak to your, those exact points, another feature that we have in the tool is called check-in. So, you know, one of the most common issues that people have is one parent being perpetually late for pickup and drop off, as you just mentioned. And what we've done is we've built a check-in feature. What, what happens is after the sixth or seventh time of bringing this non-legal issue to court. You get a shock from your <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what, I mean, you, I mean, how many times have you, you, you've seen this? The, the judge says, okay, now it's, we're going to take this non-legal issue of one parent being disrespectful, not illegal, right. um, being late for pickup and drop off. And we're going to make it into a legal issue. We're going to, I'm going to order you to drop the kids off at Starbucks. And every time you go to Starbucks, you're going to dro- you're going to buy a coffee and you're going to keep that receipt and the time and date stamp. The next time that you come back to court to argue about being perpetually late, you're going to show me that receipt. So it forces the parents to go and buy eight bucks worth of coffee every time that I they want to pick Starbucks up. I think Starbucks is in cahoots with some of the judges. I, yeah, I totally, think that they've got the, they've got totally, a ring on them. They, they should. They should. Uh, Starbucks <laughs> should make a tremendous donation to the judicial system. I think. <laughs> So, okay, but co-parenter yeah. has yeah, so that we, check-in. Yeah, they don't need in. to buy the coffee. They don't need okay. to buy a coffee. So you go, you check in. When you drop off the kids, they, it registers a time and date stamp pin drop, and your co-parent gets a notification, lets them know that you've arrived. When they arrive, they get to um, check in as well, and those two things resolve. So that's the other thing. She can't con- say that you're consistently late because you right. got your thing. Okay, right. I like that. And we that. have judges who will... Who do look at that and right. who, you know, they, they won't let the parents, I mean, especially if they're people who've been back and forth so many times, they won't let them leave until they see the uh, co-parenter installed on their phone. But one of the things that we've done, actually, we just we just released is a thing called solo mode. And so, so what solo mode does is allows a person to, and this is unique to any other tool out there. It lets people use the app, whether their co-parent wants to or not. Okay. So if you have a difficult situation where your co-parent refuses to use the app, and about 50% of the time, that's the case on all on all co-parenting apps. Right. But 50% of the time, one parent or the other, either one refuses to invite or the other refuses to accept. Um, with co-parenter, we have solo mode, so you can use it whether your co-parent wants to or not. We convert everything into text format, and it's received as a text by your co-parent, and when they respond, it's converted back into a co-parenter language right. and time and date stamped. And so there's an accurate record. And you have all your communication all in one place, you know, and, and your co-parent doesn't. That's amazing. <laughs> what is different about communicating with someone on an app versus talking to them in person? How does that work better? I know the answer to this question, but yeah. I want to hear it from you. It's really interesting. You know, we entered this space with the intention of changing the dynamics of 
what mediation means, what the process looks like. Our platform is entirely text-based. And we had we didn't start off with that. We, we had intended on starting with text and then layering in voice and uh, uh, video. But of the 22,000 or so people that use Coparenter, we've had exactly zero requests for video really? and voice. How about exactly emojis? Zero. Emojis tons. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. A good. lot of a lot I like, of I like the eggplant. I like to use, I send that. From yeah, the, just not, the, not, yeah. a, not a lot of eggplants on this one. <laughs> not a lot of eggplants. Not a lot of okays and <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, okays and pointers. But um, there's been no requests for video or voice. I think one because of the things you don't that, want to see your co-parent. You don't want to get triggered. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. The, the feedback from our users. You know, it's funny because you know the mediators often, especially the people who have been doing this for a very, very long the time. The old mediators. I, yes, your okay. words, not mine. <laughs> the, uh, the people who have been doing it for a long time, who, uh, you know, who are used to mediating in a traditional environment where you're sitting around a round table, the three of you, kind of can't see this is how people communicate mm-hmm, today. Mm-hmm. This is the way that they do it. They do it asynchronously. Right. They want to have the flexibility to be able to, you know, get on with their lives and make this and integrate this process into it, not block it out as something that they have to take time off of work. They have to drive. They have to pay for parking, probably pay for lunch, get the, only to sit in a room with somebody they can't bloody stand and run the risk of being triggered by their sound, their smell, their the, the, the site, it's it's uh, it's stressful. Absolutely. So, okay, how far out are you? So, yeah, we launched You're four V2 months ago. Now. We are in V two. Okay. Um, yeah, you can download the app from the uh, App Store or uh, Google Play. I have it, by the way. I it's, love it. It's dynamite. Thank you so much. We're thrilled that you use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's available, and um, you know, we have a really robust site with lots of you know great information and great content. You know, we're we're trying to help people stay out of court. We're trying to help them make more child-centric decisions, help them put their kids first, because, you know, really, we all do better when parents get along. I'm Laura Wasser, and this is Divorce Sucks. My approach to family law is that you're dealing with a family. And when you're dealing with a family, whether it's a famous family or not famous family, you have to deal with the same fears and sadnesses, anxieties and anger. So what we try to do with the tech we've created at It's Over Easy is to help get you and your soon-to-be ex from a place where you're not happy being together in a relationship to a place where you're in a different kind of a relationship. Still a family, just not married romantic relationship anymore. If It's Over Easy can play even a small role in helping you come out of this with a little less stress and anxiety, our site is working. So many of us are going through this. Why shouldn't it be at least a little bit easier, or at least in the legal sense? And today's show is all about making things easier with tech. We're speaking with three innovators in relationship tech. Madeline Fraser, the entrepreneur and app creator behind Hutch and Ring.com. Lee Isaacson, the CEO and co-founder of Dig, the dog person's dating app, which she founded with her sister, Casey. Hi, Casey. And Jonathan Verk, the creator and CEO of the Co-Parenter app, which enables separating, divorced, and never married parents to communicate about everyday co-parenting responsibilities. And now that we're all together, let's talk about the future. So this is to all of you, starting with you, Madeline. Tell me your predictions about the future of what we'll call on the show relationship technology. Okay. I wanted to bring up virtual reality. It's something that I think is really fascinating. I'm very interested in it. I'm also super terrified about it because I don't really understand exactly the effect it could have if it 
really does take hold like people are saying it could, um, I'm worried that we're going to lose human connection, that you can like have a virtual, completely virtual relationship with someone without ever having to actually physically touch them. And that freaks me out. But I it's would also... just like to po- pose Viber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New company idea. <laughs> Should we all co-found it together? Okay, we're on it. We're on it. No, it is so scary, but I different. I definitely think that it's the way. If Jonathan's thinking, God, if I could just have a virtual co-parent, I don't have to deal with her at all ever again. <laughs> I would. I would co-parenting with a robot. Yeah, <laughs> just, basically. Just, yeah, VR. And what goes wrong? Program the parents. So, Lee, what about you? I kind of take the op- opposite approach. You know, we um, are. It's obviously something to be concerned about, um, but there are so many ways you can use uh, technology to facilitate your relationship. Obviously, dating apps is my focus, but even moving beyond in the next step of your relationship. There's really cool new products out there to help you work through maybe couples therapy online together where you can text in, you know, even your own therapist or other therapy. There's a really cool company that we work with called Love Intently out of Austin that's really helping you text and and come up with uh, first date ideas, second date ideas, you know, people you can connect with to make that relationship even better. In the dog world, you know, people keep coming to us saying, I'm already married and I have dogs, but we want to meet other married people with dogs too. People are looking for dog apps. Well, okay, (laughs) whatever the reason is that they're trying to meet. Sorry, I always go to a sexual place. I don't mind. You know, you can use the app however you'd like to use the app. But what's fascinating to me is that you know once you use it to create one connection, you look for other technology products to create those next connections. So maybe you find your person on Dig, but you want to find other types of people, swingers or not, maybe like <laughs> friends or like families with kids that are, you know, places that are dog friendly that you can bring your kids, things like that. So I think it's really fascinating to see what other products are out there to continue building additional relationships. I like that. And Jonathan? Yeah, I think that um, I think that those technologies are definitely going to have a place. You know, our our world is helping people get through the process of separation, divorce, and co-parenting, and I think that artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, is going to impact a lot of that. I think that there's going to be a lot of questions about what role artificial intelligence is going to play in the various aspects of this process. You know, there's a lot of indicators that it's a very good concept, this this whole idea of machine learning and being able to search through and analyze zillions of data points so that we can make better decisions. Right. And I also think that there's going to be a lot of challenges as we work through how do we program bias out of artificial intelligence so that we don't carry on the same biases that we, that, that we you know, grew up with. But I think that AI and machine learning is going to have a tremendous impact on technology that's helping people get through separation, divorce, and co-parenting. Totally agree. And as, as you can hear, listeners, all three of our guests today are in the world of relationships. I don't believe that in any of these scenarios, we've we've lost the human touch. I don't think so at all, actually. And so whether you are designing a new place or designing your perfect engagement ring, whether you're meeting somebody that you're interested in having a relationship with and you've already have that component of your, your, your best friend as part of that dating relationship, or you're actually extricating yourself from a married relationship or coupled relationship, but remaining a family member, and and certainly for it's over easy as well with the legal process, which is one of my most frustrating things. Because again, 
none of your apps really touch on the legal process except Jonathan's a little. Ours is trying to, it's over easy, is trying to figure out a way to get through all of the forms and the state mandated um, requirements and making it easy for people as they're doing that. I think we do have human touches in all of these. I can't, you, you can't get away from that in any of the relationship scenarios we're talking about, yet at the same time, bringing it to people in a way that they can uh, do it from wherever they are, be able to really, really spend the time necessary to devote to it and make it fit what they need, I think is super, super important. So what's next is what we call the divorce sucks interrogatories. So speaking of law. (laughs) Interrogatories. That is such a word that I never want to hear again. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe the last time. Have you been divorced? (laughs) If you've been divorced, you hear that word all too many times. (laughs) Can we do some discovery too? Yes, we're we're here. This is the discovery. (laughs) Okay. Do you each swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I already told you the questions. Okay. So we know Madeline got married last year. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Lee, oh, what is your relationship status? Engaged. Engaged. Hey. Congratulations. Yeah. When's the wedding? It is in November okay. in New Orleans. In New Orleans. Nice. All right. We will all be there. And Jonathan, you got married last year too. I got married last November. Last and November. we had a New Orleans theme. <gasps> wow. We had a, yeah, we had a six piece back line. Very oh, nice. Yeah, what yeah. date? Uh, it was November 24th, 5th. Ooh. 25th. It was November 25th. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, Jesus. Oh We're going to have to edit that out, Jeff. You got that? We, we, and I'm getting divorced. He was so <laughs> worried about saying <laughs> but he didn't know his goddamn anniversary. November, okay. November 25th. Okay. Yeah. Is that your okay. final answer? That is. Okay. We, we, we did Havana Gila in six-part horns. It was I awesome. I love yeah. it. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Nice. We'll send you some pictures. I would lo- love them. Did you have dogs at your wedding? Uh, we did. I did at my first one. Oh, I, I did at my Jesus. first one. It was, it was in a fact, kiss it, of death. Yeah. No, he's got the flower dog. Yeah, yeah. And we've, and we've already met with the florist. Yeah, well done. All right, oh, Lee. What is your favorite breakup song? Torn, the lying naked on the floor song. I don't know him anymore. There's nothing where he used to lie. Conversation has one. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll just call it the lying naked on the floor That's song. Honestly, Are you going to be able to find that for, on Spotify, Jeff? Okay. I think That's that hilarious. first before the name, but okay. yeah, absolutely love that song. That or the entire Rent album. The entire Rent. rent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to like sit in my car and listen to the whole Rent right. album for that sure. Five hours, 65, 30. Yeah. Close. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> what is it? Um... 525,600 minutes. Thank you. Rent support. I just cut it it. down straight to five hours because I have ADD. It's like a New York year instead of a New York minute. (laughs) Madeline, your favorite breakup song? Uh, I got to go with the Fleetwood Mac classic, Landslide. Nice. Well, I've been afraid of changing because I... Nice. Can't wow. Never go wrong. Yes. This is from someone who was in college in 2013. What do you, <laughs> what do you got, Burke? Uh, I would not have been able to get through my four years of divorce without the Grateful Dead channel, oh, frankly. Jesus. I know. Matt Johnson, I know, are you I listening? Know. I get by. I get by. 
I know. It's terrible. That I'm is a big that is a big buzz killer it's in horrible. my family. It's as horrible. soon as Matt puts on the Grateful Dead station, <laughs> I like change it. Okay. I know, it's terrible. I'm embarrassed about it. But All right. Well what you wanted would, honesty. I did. I always want the whole truth and nothing but the truth. What would you say, Jonathan, does cheer up someone going through a breakup? I would say get on dig. Oh, or, get yes. on, or get on Tinder and get on Bumble and hurry up. Okay, get that's there. good. Lee? I really like you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, on brand, I would say take a walk. Um, you know, uh, when I'm in a difficult situation, even in business, one of the best things I could do is get outside, take a walk, take my dog for a walk, get some exercise and some fresh air. Um, but basically just calm down and, and think and take a step back. How many dogs do you have? I have one dog. Just one. Okay. But she is active enough for like a, a, for a lot of breakups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, on, she's available for a loan if good. anybody needs yeah. a You could just rent out the dog. A that, that's, yeah. a, that's a good business too. That is true. Madeline, how about you? Um, I would, you know, I have a lot of friends that are single and they're in the dating world right now and so I go through a lot of breakups with them and I always tell them to just get back out there. I think that there's a lot of stigma around, I don't want to be on a dating app it's scary like i don't think i can do it i'm a social person and i'm like no do it i help them i'm like their cheerleader we make the accounts together i push them good it works i like that and i will say this and we've said it before on the show your dating post breakup is a fantastic opportunity for you to represent yourself not only to somebody else who may or may not be mr or ms right but to yourself, you become yourself again and you get to see who you are over, you know, a salmon filet or a cheeseburger and a glass of Chardonnay. And you get to really decide who it is you want to be in this next chapter. And I think that's really, really important for people. Mm-hmm. And the All self-reflection right. part, when you're talking to someone, you can see what you're saying and see if you're being truthful to yeah. yourself in the moment because you can read it right back to yourself. And if your dog is there next to you, like howling or <laughs> licking something, then you know that maybe you've got to check yourself. I th- the dog thing is huge, I think, in this dating capacity because they agree. really keep you honest. Do, do, <laughs> do. I have a question about the do. Do some people misstate the dog's age? The like, dog make, age. Yeah. Um, like just to make it look younger. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. Oh, He's only 72 up. in dog years. You show yeah. up to meet the person and you're like, this is not what your this, dog looks yeah. like in the picture. This picture was from four years ago. Well, we definitely oh don't God. encourage you to search, yeah. like, be an ageist and, like, the dog, like, yeah. only want to date right. someone with a puppy. Like, right. nobody wants that. Right? Like, definitely Ooh, be I, I might be that way. I'd be like, puppies only. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Boxes only. Rom coms. Starting with you, Lee. Mm, I go back and forth on this, but right now it would be my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, that's a good one. That we haven't had one. that one before. Okay, how about you, Madeline? I actually just weirdly watched this. I was in New York last week, so I download movies to watch on the plane. Knocked up. It's oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. That's a good one. That's a good Classic. one. It makes me laugh every time. That's a good one. Jonathan? I'm going to go with the big Lebowski. I'm on brand. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is so happy. I just have to mention, with regard to that question, in this week's New York Times magazine... Did they do a, a review of Lebowski? No, no, week. but there's no, a no. great article about the rom-com. It's called oh. Twilight of the Rom-Com, and it's by Wesley Morris, and it's all about how we may actually be have moved out of this genre. And romantic comedy is the only genre committed to letting relatively ordinary people figure out how to deal meaningfully with another human being. And 
and that people aren't making them anymore. They're not watching them anymore. There's a whole thing about Katherine Heigl in here oh, about how she made so many of them during that time that even she started getting. And, and it's, What's it's, Renee Zellweger going to do now? Well, I know. Again, or Katherine Heigl. But oh, this yeah. has been going on for a while. It's a great article. I highly recommend oh, it. And um, I think that's it for today. So tell us, folks, how we can reach you, starting with Madeline. How can we keep up with you? How can we know when you've moved from soft launch into in verbata into uh, real give me my goddamn ring right away? Tell sure, us. Sure, sure. So you can download the app. Uh, it's the Ringco on the App Store, iOS first. And we will be launched in September. So we're in beta. So come join us. Enjoy it. And you can always follow me on Instagram at Mad Fraser. Always, uh, you know, message me. I'm here to help. I want other women in this world with me. And uh, we got to support each other. We were just trying on rings, too. Oh, yeah. So. She's already sold. <laughs> I love it. Well, I had no idea you could put the ring on both sides. Yeah, All that's these important. fun things you could do. Yeah. <laughs> I was really excited. All right. How about you, Lee? Dig are, Dates. Yes. We are at Dig Dates all over the place. Um, really important to us. Uh, all the dogs we use in all of our marketing on Instagram, for example, are available for adoption from uh, mm-hmm. Louisiana area shelters as well. So even if you're not single, you can still follow and support the pups. But the app is totally free on both the App Store and Google Play. So search for Dig Dates or Dig the Dog Person's Dating App. We also throw events across the country. We've got events every two weeks. We've got launch events in uh, L.A., in Atlanta, Nashville, Denver, Seattle coming up next. Uh, So definitely take a look at digdates.com and see where you can find us in person as well. Awesome. And Jonathan? We are on uh, Instagram, at Coparenter. We're all over Facebook, and um, we have a a very robust website at coparenter.com. And you can download the app right now for uh, at the uh, Apple App Store or iTunes. Google Play. Yeah. iTunes App Store or Google Play. And you can get 30-day free trial, which is, of course, way more than enough to build a parenting plan and get your, get your process started and start putting your kids first. With all that technology empowers us to do, it's still up to you and me to communicate clearly, whether it's in person or on an app. For more tips, including my five steps to an amicable divorce, please follow us at It's Over Easy on Instagram. And while you're here in your podcast app, if you haven't already, tap subscribe and leave a review. Divorce will still suck next week, and we'll be here too. Thank you for listening to the Divorce Sucks Podcast. I'm Laura Wasser. <laughs>